Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yeah. Does it sound better now with the headphones? Yeah, it sounds perfect. Okay, great. All right. So, so are you ready? Yep. All right. So let's start off. I mean, we're going to kind of go through it, but I might, we might as well start in chapter one. Azoth, okay. dude. What did you, this this introduction chapter, Azoth, and what I think is so, so Durzo Blint-esque. So Durzo Blint-esque, where he's sitting under there, and it basically opens up with Azoth, and he's under, like, a this th- this shitty tavern in the Warrens. And just to, like, yeah, give so it, like, go ahead. So, like, uh, well, one of the things that I, did, I didn't even really pick up on that much was, like, I didn't think of it as bamboo-type floors, but, like, yeah. yeah, he's underneath, like, bamboo, so it's pretty easy to see through. Yeah. Which is... Reading it this time through, I picked up on so much more, like, Japanese-style culture that is thrown in the book. Yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't even uh, realize. Even, like, I bet, that's not even picked up on, like, pronunciation things. I think we might have been off on some of them. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. But, yeah, like... Him crawling under there just looking for coins to yeah. bring back to his guild. He's and so he's he's a guild rat, which is oh my god, dude, the Warrens is so fucked up. But <laughs> he's a guild rat, which means that he's part of these kids that have no parents. They've got no family. They're orphans. Uh, but there's these there's what you find out. There's someone on the nine who runs these things called the guilds, and the guilds are basically all these kids who kind of just gather together. They have they kind of have. Um, bosses so like the kids have like 10 and 11 year olds that are their bosses and then eventually you have a kid who's a little bit older than that and he's a boss and basically what it does is it just indoctrinates all these kids into crime basically for the sakage or the the sakage which i i guess i don't know if that's right but now after yeah looking at it, yeah, yeah kage would be the japanese so yes kage yeah the sakage which means shadow which is like shadow and something i forget what he says it is but uh that's what he's a part of and so he's grown up his whole life without parents and he's in these guilds and he has to get coins in order to bring back to his guild so he doesn't get the shit beaten out of him pretty much (laughs) which is insane because he's what he's 10 at this point he yeah he's he's 10 at the beginning i think he's 10 yeah and rat is like who we'll we'll talk about rat 16 rat is 16 holy fuck dude that's so fucked because we'll get we'll get it's so fucked um so azoth he's climbing under he's looking for coins and he's sitting there and he looks at he looks up and there's this guy there and he goes oh man i I gotta figure out okay this guy looks pretty nice you know i gotta i I think i could pickpocket him he wouldn't kill me because basically the way that they're gonna half the time the guild rats have to get their money they either don't get it or they have to pickpocket people and you got I love the line. I love the line where he goes, you got to pick between the one that'll beat you hard enough that you don't die and the ones that beat you hard enough that they might actually kill you or maim you. So that's who you have to be careful yeah. when you pickpocket, just to let you know what we're dealing with. Yeah, so these kids just have terrible lives, and they just, like, this is all they know. And yeah. it's not like it's just, like, a few kids. Like, the guilds pretty much, they, they run the underground in the wars. Yeah. Like, they, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of different names. There's Black Dragon Guild, which is Azos Guild. There is Burning Man Guild, which is a yeah. guild that um, one of the characters ends up going through. And then there's a couple others that, but we don't go into them too much. But all you need to, because Azoth is the main character at this point. And he looks and he sees a man there who has had a lot to drink. And he's like sitting there. He's like, okay. 
I'm going to do this. And then some other guy walks in. He's like, all right, Durzo Blint. I'm no, gonna, no, no, he, our, he drops down on Azoth. That's, oh, he stands on him, right? He walks on yep. him or something and pushes him under the water, like on into the mud and under the water because of the rain. Yeah. Which is super fucked. And he actually, it was actually to the point where he had been stuck there for several days and had to wait, or several hours and had to wait for it to rain because he got stuck under this tavern here that he's hiding under. Yeah. So but, the rain got him out. Yeah. Which, and then almost drowned him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You have to like, and then the the spider that's under that like part of the like one of the reasons I love it, it's a six page introduction chapter. Yeah, and it's such a detail with like the wolf spider that's on him. I yeah. think it's a wolf spider. Yeah, it is a wolf yeah, spider. Yeah, like a white wolf spider. Yeah, <laughs> like you were just talk about how it like liquefies flesh and stuff like that. Like, yeah, all this happens in six pages where he crawls under. He has a spider go on him, and he has to try to flick it off without anybody hearing above him while these guys are having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy comes up, and he's like, Blint. Like, basically, he tells him, like, I'm here to kill you. And even Blint, go- he goes, I've seen you drink, like, six flagons. I know you can't kill me. And he goes, eight, by the way. I've had eight. Yeah. <laughs> just, to, just to let you know. And then uh, there's, like, a little bit of conversation between Durzo Blint, who we'll, we'll get into, who is... Oh, dude, I have so many new favorite characters after reading it this time, but I yeah. love, I've always loved Durzo. He's such a cool character, but, um, this guy threatens him and then like four other guys, he like calls his boys. He's like, boys, get in here. Let's kill this fool. And, uh, yeah. Then Dur- no, Durzo says like something like, why don't you invite your friends in or something like that? Okay. Yeah. Let me see what he said. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you invite your friends in? He goes, I don't, you're bluffing. I don't bluff. Why don't you invite your friends in? And this is while Azos like trying to listen and he hears the spider. His friends come in and like within a blink of an eye, because this world has magic in it. And so Durzo Blint is, you'll find out, a very talented man. And uh, he, within seconds, he just like chops all these dudes head off. He just like drops them all like immediately. And Azos having this moment where he's like, I tried to rob him. And I thought he looked nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he thought Durzo Blint looked nice. He was like, yeah, I thought he looked like a nice man. That's the line. Could, I, could I, did I really think Durzo Blint looked nice? And yeah. so he finds six coppers in there. and uh, But right as he's about to leave, Durzo slams his sword, which is a very famous sword, Retribution, which we'll get into. And he slams the sword into the into the ground. And when he does that, it's right in front of Azoth as he's crawling out. And he's like, yeah, don't don't ever talk about this because I've done a lot worse than just like kill children. It's like not no big deal, you know. (laughs) So be a little bit careful. All right. Don't go spreading this around. And Azoth just like runs home. (laughs) Like into the night. What what would you do? Like, think about it. He's Blint. You you find out even in like the next couple chapters, Blint is a legend. Yes. Like, everybody knows who he is, but barely anybody, I think, has actually seen him. Yep. And Azoth just lived through that experience at 10 years old. Like, Yeah. And watched him kill remained, people. Yeah, and he remained pretty calm. Yeah. Which shows you just, like, where he grew up. Yep. Like, he is used to beatings and watching people die. Like, as as we talk about it more, the Warrens is this place where, you know, it is, you know— 
fuck the fuck the schedule, dude. We're just gonna go into it and talk about whatever we want. I've I've decided to fuck the 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 uh, the itinerary, dude. I want to get into this book. Right. <laughs> we'll we'll cover it all. But the Warrens, what I didn't realize going into it was um it's it's actually got this whole wooden structure out. It. It's encased uh, and it's really separated from the east side. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't even realize. The Warrens actually is a defensible position, which you find out in another book where, you know, <laughs> and when the Caledorians at some point they run through, I remember in Shadow's Edge. But uh this yeah, they talk about it at the I think a little bit at the end of this one. I think yeah. in the epilogue they talk about it. Yeah. But, but that's a, that's it. Yeah. So the Warrens though, this is where they dump all of the people that they don't want. This is all of the like the gangs and everything live in the Warrens. And if you're a high crime, maybe you maybe you live on the east side or go up to the east side every now and then. But even the Sakage, they're based in in the Warrens, pretty much, from my understanding. Yeah, they're so rich they have places on the east side, but a lot of their meetings and everything happen in this area around the Warrens, which at one point even Azoth follows Durzo to the meeting of the hall. Like, do you remember that meeting in the yeah. hall with uh that with that the fucking black dragon glass or whatever it is and yeah <laughs> azoth actually follows him there at some point which we'll talk about but that's the place that we're in it's it's really run down all the building like everyone lives in shallow like there's shallow graves everywhere where dogs come and eat everything it is a horrible living environment it's a shithole yeah it is a super shithole <laughs> yeah like think of think of the shittiest shithole you can think of, and it's it's worse than that in my mind. It's so bad. Yeah, I I just pictured like you know like kind of kind of like that almost like an Assassin's Creed vibe of like you know like the yeah. prostitutes and stuff everywhere, but then just like dark all the time, filled yeah. with like sewage everywhere, just dead people, drunk people. I yeah, think that, I think riot weed is like one of the drugs that they take in this. Like, yeah. People like that everywhere. Yeah, hundred percent. There's alcoholics walking around. Every like, ever nobody. It, it is. It is not a place you want to be, and especially growing up, which is where Azoth. He's he's growing up in this scenario with no parents. He so in the ne- very next chapter, he gets into a. There's a moment where it's his. Is it Jar? Is Jarl actually the one getting beat in that scene, or is it someone? I believe it's Jarl, isn't it? Yeah. It is. is it? Is it Azoth? No, I think it's Jarl. Yeah, it's Jarl. Yeah. So what happens yeah. is you you get your first introduction to Rat, who is fucked up. Oh yeah. So he pretty much like the guild's fist. He's the enforcer of the guild. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what is uh, Jaleel? I, I forget how to pronounce it, but like Jolly or something. I think it's Jaleel. Yeah. Like yeah. He he only comes up like twice. Yep. And so he's like the guild head. He's like. 18 or something like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, so Rat's the enforcer. He's like, he makes sure that everybody pays their dues, but he is, he's there for the violence pretty much. He's yeah. there to beat people and do a lot of other really fucked up shit. Which we'll get into. Um, yeah. yeah, but that's your first introduction to Rat and he's sitting there, he's gleefully smacking Jarl across the face, just so happy, which is, you'll find out in his character, he, what he loves more than anything is dishing out violence and watching people in pain. He is, he is a sadist at its, at his core, like oh, the, yeah. the worst of very sadists and he's definitely a psychopath <laughs> and a bunch of different other things that are not okay. And he is one of those characters, you know, 
that is thrown in, in in my mind like i you definitely have people that are terrible in today's world but like born in a fantasy world uh just like the world that's constructed around him in the warrens think about it like in this run down terrible place like this is just a playground for him pretty much oh yeah yeah like it, it, but it's also part of who he is yes like his heritage which we'll get into later yeah but yeah it's We'll, we'll we'll do that reveal later because that was yeah. ugh, dude that was f- fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so Rat, he's beating Yarl and he's he's telling him like you don't have any mum- money and there's actually an illusion or there's or the there's a there's foreshadowing not illusion there's foreshadowing uh later in that chapter to what ends up happening to Yarl and actually starts him in kind of a spiral for the rest of his life that something that he struggles with psychologically, um. And that is, uh, he, he makes a reference to a character named Bim, who you never actually meet, but all you know is that something terrible happened to Bim. And yeah, everyone I won't kind of, end up like Bim. Yeah, like that nobody wants to end up like Bim. And so yeah. you also get the introduction to Doll Girl in this chapter, who is a very key character, very key character. And she she's mute. She's yes. mute and uh, I believe eight years old. She's two years younger than Aslan. Yeah, I think eight. Yeah, she's eight and mute, and she just kind of she she's on Azoth's hip the entire time. Yeah, like just follows him around. Like, yep. And she's she's absolutely like she's like the uh, the most beautiful kid, pretty much in the Warrens. If you think about it, like she just has perfect features. And this is actually going to become a big point, but she has like perfect features, and that's why they call her Doll Girl because she she looks like a doll, like someone constructed her. Like, that's, like, how, like, everyone knows she's going to be pretty when she grows up and everything like that. But she's been born in the Warrens, so, you know, who knows, <laughs> like, how yeah. that's going to turn out. But then, um, but, yeah, they, they're the three. They're the three that are in the beginning. This is, like, the first arc of the book, which is this introduction. You have Jarl, Doll Girl, and Azoth, and they're all best friends. And then after that, uh, we transition right, uh, right, oh, does he give him the coins in this this chapter, already early, this early on? He tries to pay. Uh, I, uh, what do you mean, Yarl giving Azoth or Azoth giving Rat coins? Um, Azoth. Oh yeah, Azoth tries to give coins, and just because Rat doesn't like him, <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, you have to pay eight uh, for uh, Snowy Dog Girl to pay, and he's like, well, she's not ten yet, so he doesn't have to pay. Yeah, Littles don't and have to pay. Like, well, she's ten unless she can say so. So yeah. Oh yeah, that's the other thing with the guilds. There's Littles and Bigs. I think yep. Bigs are what ten and older. Or yeah. something like that. Yeah, there's uh Littles Bigs. There's Littles and Bigs. And there's like the, I think there's kind of like this in between where Azoth I think he's just like a regular guild rat. But um Yeah. The Bigs are you're once you get a little bit older, you kinda get root you kinda get um recruited by the guild fist and he kind of brings all these characters together and he says or not characters he brings all these people together and he's like okay you're you're my enforcers like if i tell you to do you you protect me because you know we live in the warrens and people are going to try and kill me even at this young age like these these kids are pitted against each other in these guild these guild wars kind of things and like they're think about it they're 10 to freaking 18 and they're just going around killing each other or even younger like, yeah, even younger. Because it's like some of these kids are probably like picked up when they're four or five, and they're just yep. like kind of taken care of, and then they're just taught this whole life. But it it gets them ready for like what they're gonna like being bashers and everything later, being thieves. Yep. For, you know, learning whatever how whatever else you can become. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's I never really thought about that, but uh, until we started talking, but it really just is this breeding ground of w- the future of the Sakage, which is which is a a government, not a gov, but it, it's an underworld government, pretty much. That it's pretty much a mafia. Yeah, like I've, I like to think of it as a mafia. There's like nine heads, and like yeah, it's like a really yeah. high end mafia, though. Like it's yeah, it's like a it's a pretty it's a shadow government, pretty much. Like it's a shadow. It's as if the mafia ran the government pretty much because that's probably where he gets the idea of calling it the Sakage for like having shadow be part of that. They are shadow government. Like they, yeah. they run everything behind the scenes. Yep. And it's, Oh, it's so cool. But uh, yeah, there's nine heads and we'll get into that. Um, and they kind of, they kind of run everything behind the scenes. Cause you find out very early on that scenarios Kings have not been stellar. They've been no. dog shit pretty much. <laughs> There's no way around it. They're all well, yeah, and then they keep getting conquered. So they've lost like, like this line of kings that isn't even that. It's what like three generations deep or something like that. Yeah, like yeah, it's scenario is just uh, my my best way of like explaining it is like look at countries in Africa that were great a long time ago, mm-hmm. and then people came in and got involved. They've been invaded by like different African countries, European countries, whoever. Yeah, and everything just keeps getting reset, so they just stay in just this crappy state of. Well, I guess this is where we are now. Yeah, that's exactly what we're dealing with here. Uh, it, it's <laughs> it's fucking crazy, actually. Uh, and then we actually get our first Durzo Blint chapter, which is a. Uh, I love the introduction for Durzo. I absolutely love this chapter. The first the first two paragraphs are some of my favorite paragraphs in the book. Where he's okay. on the estate and he's walking in the guard's shadow. Like, it, it, I love it. He's the perfect guard, Durzo thought. A bit slow, lacking imagination, and dutiful. He counts, like, exactly how many steps the guard takes. Like, this shows you how thorough he is. And he, he probably watched this guard for several minutes before. He's like, okay, he takes exactly 39 steps every single time. And so Durzo's in his shadow, hiding behind this guard while he's on the estate. He's walking behind him. And as the guard gets to 35 and 36, he slips out of the shadow, grabs onto the edge of a wall as he's trying to get into, like he's getting into the the house area. And right as the guard smacks his halberd is when Durzo lands on the ground on, on 39, just to make sure that the guard can't hear him. Like, so thorough. Yeah, which is that, that's the first introduction into Durzo being like that, because that is just... That is Durzo's personality. He is a complete perfectionist. He is a perfectionist like, in t- every way. In every single way, he is an absolute perfectionist. It's and it's actually crazy how and that's one of the reasons why he's so great. It's actually crazy the painstaking uh, time that he'll take just to learn things is is the reason why he's known as the greatest wet boy in the city. Uh, which you'll find out a wet boy is someone who is an assassin, but they have something called the talent, and they're they're magical. They have magical powers, and they're they're. I love this. Their contracts are called debtors because <laughs> the moment you take yeah. it, they're dead. It's just, yeah. the the rest of their short life is a nice formality, I believe. Durzo says. Uh, and yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah, like he and the way that he talks about like getting in their skin and stuff like that. That's when like you start to love them, and that's when you kill. Yeah, well, it's, we'll get into all that later. But there's so much to talk about with this. There is a well, little, we, well we did we did forget where we were going with uh, uh, you're all giving Azoth the money. Oh yeah, oh my so, god. So Thank he you, got George, beat that. by Rat. Yeah, 
Go ahead. So he got beat by Rat for not having his uh, his dues, but it turns out he has a sash filled with like copper, silvers, gold. Like he has two gold gunders. Yeah, which is a fortune for these kids. Mm-hmm. And he gives it to Azoth to like, so that way Azoth can go try to apprentice with Blit. Yeah, and that's like which is insane. Th- yes, this kid, his dream, Azoth's dream, is to apprentice to the best assassin in the city. <laughs> Like, that's what he wants to do. And he says he knows who he's going to kill first. And it's it's Rat. That's who he wants to kill first. Like, when he yeah. when he becomes an apprentice. And this is, like, this is the beginning of... of I mean, I know it's the beginning of the book, too, but yeah, it's... To put it in perspective, where we were talking about Durzo, that's page 13. Yeah. Like... Like... <laughs> <laughs> we might have to do a couple episodes, George. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> this is uh it's just so much fun to talk about. This this book's so good. Um but so yeah, and then Durzo, you actually find out he goes in and this is when oh my god, like like this writing right here, just to show you how like in how much deducing that Durzo does and how smart he is to try and figure things out in order to make the perfect kill every time. Uh he goes in uh to the house of you find uh who is it's General Brant Agon's house, right? believe it's Brant's house yes yeah it is yes and uh which this is so funny there's a his memory this actually comes up in a conversation with them later on when he first when he uh shows azoth off do you remember this yeah he brings up this actually this exact moment this is like it's got to be at least four or five years later or something but um so Durzo goes in the room and he looks as he slides into the room, he looks towards the bed and he's like, he looks and he sees the wife in there and he goes, oh, but she's, and he looks at it and he goes, oh, okay, she sleeps on his side. That means that, you know, this is not actually just like a conjugal visit where she just comes and, you know, does her wifely duties. This is where, you know, she's actually coming down and they actually love each other. They're actually here together. And I think the contract is is it actually to kill both of them? I've, it was to kill his wife. Yeah. To get him on board. To uh. Well, I, I think it's oh, to yeah. get rid of Gaia, right? Yeah. Well, they're trying to. They. Oh, yeah. They want to actually make because King Davin's about to die, so they're making uh the prince wants Aileen Gunder. Uh, had he wanted to offer him a quick marriage to a rich nobleman. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So then. He wants to, like, marry him off again. But Durzo goes in there, assesses the situation, and goes, oh, they actually love each other. So this is, he's going to react a lot differently if she's dead. He's not just going to be, like, remarried, and then everything's going to be fine. And so he goes in there, and then he walks into the hallway, and he sees that uh, Bran Agon is actually meeting with someone called Duke Rengis Geyer, who is who's, who's certified badass. I think. Oh yeah. He's he, you don't know it at this point in the book, but he's he was a he was captured by the Leonot and he w- witnessed their torture and stuff. He's he's a cool dude and he's also the father of one of my favorite characters, Logan. Logan. I love Logan. Um but so he sits there and watches the com- watches the conversation and they're actually discussing King Davin's dying and Durzo's thinking in his mind he's like oh yeah I know he's going to die he's actually going to die tonight because I gave him his last dose of poison uh, and their scenarios on this teetering of oh what's going to happen who's going to be the next king there's this guy Aline there's a or there's this guy Niner this that's Aline Gunder right 
I always forget his yeah. last name because they just always. He's supposed to be the ninth, but he's not really the ninth or something like that. I forget why. They... Yeah, he's not really the ninth. They call him Niner because he acts like a nine year old. But yeah. um, I always forget his last name because they always just reference him as uh, <laughs> as Niner. But um, they're yeah, talking yeah. and they're actually talking about, you know, what's going to ha- like, is there going to be a civil war? Who's going to make a play for the throne? And are they going to, you know, go and kill him? kill Aileen Gunder and kill his whole family so that uh, that Duke Renges Geyer can take the throne instead in kind of this power succession war. And Durzo is sitting there and he has the knife ready. And when they decide that that's not going to happen, like Duke Renges says, like, I'm not going to do it. Like, I won't I won't kill him and his family because you'll find out later that uh, he actually, Aileen's wife was a very, was going to be the wife of Duke Renges Geyer. And so he he's not willing to to put that on the line. And so <laughs> he's also just a very honorable man. Like you see with how Logan is later yes. on, they're just very like they they're without a doubt some of the only honorable people in scenario. Yes, they're they're truly truly honorable. They might be like the other than Count Drake. I can't really think of anyone who is truly honorable in the way they are. I think of Durzo and Azoth as honorable in their own way. But not in the way that Logan and and uh, Renjus Geyer are. I think they're kind of on yeah. another level. Uh, but so Blint decides not to kill them because it's the Sakage actually want Alien Gunder on the throne because he's totally inept. He's completely inept. Yeah, and so easy to manipulate that type of stuff, but without actually knowing that it's being manipulated. He thinks he's, he's smart. Dumb. He's yeah. he's just straight up dumb. And so Durzo goes, okay, I'm not going to kill him because they're not going to do this civil war coup thing. And then uh, Blint actually has his second uh, interaction right after that. He leaves. And then uh, he has his second interaction with Azoth, which is pretty funny. And this is like a good way of showing how much like Azoth's very smart and he's clever on his feet. But uh, there's an ambush <laughs> and the guild rats all ambush him, dude. <laughs> yeah, they like... It- it starts off saying that Blint saw it like from fifty paces away. So he just like was like, All right, so starts faking a limp, walks it. I think it's just out of boredom and curiosity. Yes. Like that's it. He's like, I wanna see what happens here. Mm-hmm. So they all surround him and like uh Yeah, and like and he said, like, clever, you keep a lookout before dawn when most of the other guilds are sleeping. And he's like, ask whose idea what is and somebody's like, as off. <laughs> and Rat does not like that. Or is it Jaleel? Is it Jal it's Jaleel. Yeah, he does not. Yeah, shut up, Roth. He's like mad because it's not his idea, obviously. But um, and Azoth definitely sticks out, and uh, he he's the one who it's his whole plan. He's like, yeah, why don't we stay up this late? Because there's all the people that are out whoring and don't want to explain the bruises to their wife, so they just give you the money anyway. And then yeah, after- like he is insanely smart. Like that is very clever. Mm-hmm. Like- <laughs> he thinks on his feet, and it's really cool. And then Jal. Jalili, or it's his name is so I don't know how to pronounce it, um, but he uh, he actually attacks him. <laughs> if you can call it that, like if you can, in in the way that like an ant would attack a human. <laughs> like really, like what are you trying to accomplish here? Like, like, and by this point they didn't even know that he was blind yet. So I think that's why he attacked. Yeah, he just got like, mad. Yeah, he obviously overstepped his bounds and Blint, he 
he pulls his punches very artfully. He just sits there, takes the sword, tells him, he looks at the kid and he goes, hey, yeah, you're shit, you know, why would you let your sword go to this much, like, because it's rusted and everything? He looks at him, he goes, yeah, pff, who the fuck are you? And he, like, he elbows the kid and knocks him out, and then he just kind of goes off in the night, and after he says he's Durzo Blint, all the kids are like, oh my god, Durzo Blint. <laughs> They all whisper. Yeah, they all scatter and everything, except for Azoth, who decides to try to follow, you know, this shadow, pretty much. Like He is a shadow. He, well, yeah, but he's following the scariest guy. In, uh, I'll, I'll go with Scenario, because he's not the scariest guy in the world, because nobody knows who he is. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> but he is most, most definitely the scariest guy in Scenario, like, Without a doubt, if you hear someone was like, oh, you know, Durzo Blint, because one of his sayings is word always gets out. Like yep. word always gets out about his 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 murders or his assassination, his debtors who he kills and <laughs> like word always gets out. And so if you hear like, oh, he might have been killed by Blint, like that's scary. Like that's some serious stuff because, you know, you have to take out a contract with the Sakage and everything. Which is binded by magic. Yeah. And taking contract, and as soon as you get in with the Sakage, there's like no way to get out. There's only one man who's ever done it, and yeah. it's <laughs> it's it's a fucked up system. So then, uh, after that, it goes into chapter four, uh, and then this is actually the meeting that we were talking about a little bit earlier. And I love this this introduction to these these little kind of comical characters that come up later on and multiple times in the book is uh, Lefty. And uh, Bernard, yeah, and Bernard, uh, yeah, Bernard, and um, they're they're twins and they're bashers. You find out that there's these bashers, and they're what guard the Sakage. They're like they're the muscle. Yeah, so the like big dudes too. So it's not just like they're just like regular bodyguards. Like I just picture like two twin like guys in the NFL, like offensive linemen, are standing there like clad in armor. Yeah, like these are the guards. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Durza walks up to them, <laughs> and he's like, look, come on. They're patting him down. He's like, look, guys, come on. We both know if I wanted to kill anyone in there, I couldn't, with or without the weapons. <laughs> and they're like... And he proves that. He absolutely proves that. I love this uh, little saying. It's it's just formality, Blint. Like, asking someone how they are when you don't actually care. And Blint, I love the. He's very quick on his feet. He just goes, I don't ask. Like, I, I don't. <laughs> I just love the little banter, like these moments with the characters. That's one of the things I really love about the book is just the little bit of banter that you get between them. Sometimes is just hilarious because Brent, he just had, he, he held nothing back. I don't think. Yeah, seriously. Like uh, it's, it's a very interesting way that he decides to write and like put the banter in there too, because it's, it's very subtle in a lot of points, but then other times it's like, you know, exactly the mood that they're in. Mm-hmm. Like even even with right after that, I'm sorry to hear about Vonda. Yeah, it sounds like a shot first, and then he says really afterwards. So you're like, but I think that's the kind of make you like feel how Durzo felt. Like Durzo probably felt that it was a shot, like a yeah. shot at it. Mm-hmm. Which we don't even we don't know anything about Vonda yet. Yeah, we don't even know who it is. All we know is that Vonda is someone, and it's dead. She's dead. And Durzo, he said, like when he hears that, uh, like he stops cold, and he like he feels like a lance through his guts. I think that's also because everybody knows. Yeah. Everyone knows about it. And it's it's a 
it's a theme that comes up multiple times is Vonda. Vonda and Durzo and what happened. And you find out pretty early on what happened, but um just the fact that like this is something that kind of follows Durzo through the rest of his time in scenario up until the end oh, of the yeah. book. And kind of actually kind of like now that I think about it, it kind of jump starts a lot of the stuff that happens later on. Oh yeah, definitely. Just because of who they're dealing with in relation to Vonda and stuff. It's just there's a lot of stuff that you learn at the beginning which is useful later, but you don't know that it's useful later. Yeah, and I like how they bring certain characters up, uh like Corbin Fishhill, he's brought up several times. This is he's the current Shinga. Or no no, Pon Dradin is the current Shinga. But uh, you know, all these characters come up, you like hear about these people that are on the nine and you know, when they make power plays and Sometimes they get murdered and sometimes they don't. Uh, but he goes in there and he's sitting there and he's looking at the nine and they're sitting in their their giant lofty. And this is like another one of those things. They're sitting in these giant lofty chairs that kind of go up into the shadows and you can't really see them that well. But Durzo can see them clearly. And he goes, he just says to himself, he goes, at least that's left to me. And that's kind of a a uh, a foreshadowing of, you know, there's something with the shadows that that is special to him. They, they don't really hide secrets from him. But that's another thing too. If uh, I don't want to backtrack too much, you know, but he does say in the first chapter, how could you abandon me? So yeah. that is completely related to that, which that, uh, that's horrible. Something else. That's yeah. probably the biggest theme of all the books. So we're, we're, we don't even want to get, but that's something I wanted to bring up before we forgot about that. Is this even he's alluding to what's going to happen. Yeah. In the, the first, like, the like first page. page. Yeah. Yeah. The first or second page, he's alluding, but this is what's going to happen later on. You know, this is something important. And it's just all these little moments. And Blin even says it himself. He says, uh, he tells, actually, you hear it through Kyle or Azoth, but eventually becomes Kyler. Um, you hear it through him and he says, those moments before you kill someone are oddly, like, they're bittersweet. Those moments where you're watching them by themselves like nobody yeah. sees those moments except for you. And Durzo likes that moment because he also has very dark gallows humor. Oh yeah. And so it's actually that, I don't know. I wonder if that's like a theme throughout the book that continues to come up, but watching these people in those moments by themselves is very important because it's something that these wet boys can do. They can kind of just go wherever they want and they have like just unlimited power almost to kind of go around the city because they're so, they're so practiced. And they're so so thorough. Yeah, now that I think about it, like th- those moments, they do come up a lot when you actually talk about um, their contract kills. Yeah, not really in the other because, mo- like you know, there's like the big battles and stuff. But like, mm-hmm. like I was thinking of one in the, I think it's the third book with uh, Tara Grayson. I, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that like that like how intimate that is. Like, yeah, that is important. I think that is supposed to show. So not even get into that yet, but that's a show like how nothing really has changed between Durso and Kyler that much. Yeah. And so they go and he's actually just there, Blint's there to just report what happened on his most recent his most recent excursion. And then he tells him like he didn't kill Brant and he tells him like uh, you know, I didn't kill him and that they're not gonna do anything, so that's why he didn't do it. And there's someone who says, I'll be damned if we turn slavers again, who we actually don't... F- I don't think we ever find out who that is. But the slave master. Oh, no. The bashers. Head of the bashers. I just saw that in the book while I have it up. But, okay. Um, 
um, I just, and I just saw it. I was interested, but he just says that, um, you know, like I, I chose not to kill them pretty much. And they're sitting there. The nine are kind of not happy with him. And Corbin Fishhill even looks at him and he has like a lisp and he's like, can you still do it? Like, can you still kill? And Blint, Blint just walks up to him, stabs a needle into his leg. Right as Corbin kicks at him, Durzo dodges it and jabs his needle into his leg. Oh, and then this is one of the best parts. When so a bell rings, like I guess one of probably one of the nine rang it saying, like, hey, we got an emergency. So Lefty and Bernard run in, so Lefty just charges straight into Blint, who just stands there completely still and yeah. puts a what? Like just puts a hand out, not even yeah. a fist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he and, just puts his hand out and they run into it. <laughs> yeah, and Lefty just breaks his face pretty yeah. much on, on He breaks his, his nose. Hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then and then this is a very common theme with Durzo. That and there's this this is a common theme with the book is you have to make choices. There are choices that have to be made and this is something that Durzo is very big on. He will often, and Kyler takes this with him too. He actually does this later in the book with the main character. But Durzo, he sticks him with the needle and he goes, hey, um, by the way, that needle's po- if that needle's poisoned, uh, take this antidote. If it's not, the antidote's going to kill you. Yeah, and that's insane. <laughs> like, he just did that to, pr- like, one of his bosses, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Like, you know, he, technically he doesn't have to, he answers to the Shinga. Like wet boys answered the shing up, but st- it's like I don't know. It's it's hard to explain like the nine's relationship. It's pretty much one of his bosses. Yeah, the or nine he's like a supervisor. Yeah, like, the, mm-hmm. the nine are the most powerful people in the country, and Durzo reports to them, and they're kind of the head. They all work together to kind of make scenario into what they want it because they really have that much power where they just kind of do whatever they want with the country, and. He, but he answers directly to the Shing, I believe, because Wet Boys are in this weird spot where because they have so much power and they're so thorough and so good at what they do that even sometimes the Shinga will pull them out to actually kill members of the Nine. Yep. And they have a magical, like, binding to the Shinga. Yeah. which like is a magical oath. Yeah, it's a small, what you actually find out later is a small oath of compulsion. Um, yeah. And so... He, and then we transfer back to Azoth in the same chapter, where Azoth he uh, he's walking down the uh, this tunnel. He fo- he actually followed Blint all throughout the night, and um, as he goes there, he he kind of has actually this this shows you some interesting stuff. Uh, you can tell that Azoth must be somewhat talented because he feels that the air's wrong. He won't walk any farther. And then he smells garlic. Yeah. He won't, and he, he he feels like there's something there. And actually, Blint comes out and he tells him, he goes, "You don't want to walk any farther because there's going to be two friendly bashes that are going to come down here and they're going to kill you. <laughs> there's secrets that are past this point here that you shouldn't know, and it's a magical alarm." Yeah, and like you know, that pretty much leads into it's Azoth being like, "I'm desperate, like I need to apprentice with you." And then Blint just says, "I don't take apprentices," and Blint leaves. Like, yeah. And then he just leaves. And then Azoth, uh, he kind of, he's he's upset that Blint uh, won't take him. But then he goes back down to the Warrens and lies down into his normal sleeping spot. And he goes, he talks to Yara, goes, J.O. and, and Doll Girl. He kind of sits there. And uh, he goes like, hey, J.O., like I'm back. But Yarl, uh won't, doesn't really respond. 
and this is the beginning of something very, very disturbing in uh <laughs> so in yeah, the, the book up to this point is calm. Yeah. Like it's very calm introduction. Mm-hmm. From chapter five on, it is chaos and it feels chaotic. Like you feel anxiety most of the time reading the rest of this book. Yeah. It is it because... it really ran it and I mean we're talking it really fucking ramps up. So they wake up the next day and Rat is looking at Azoth's face and he tells him, like he says, Hey, good morning, Azoth, how you doing? And uh Rat's he's like, Where were you? I had to piss. <laughs> I had to go. And then he goes, Oh, you missed all the fun. You missed all the fun. And, and then now you find out. So pretty much Fiora wa- walks out in a dress and beat up like his face, he's missing teeth and stuff. And yeah. pretty much you find out what happened to Bit. Yeah. And you find out that actually, and this is like, oh, it's so disturbing. But Rat, what he does is he actually just rapes these these children. He just rapes them to because he he knows it breaks them mentally. That's the only, he doesn't even enjoy it. He just does it because he enjoys breaking people mentally. Like he, that that yeah, is the joy he gets out of it. And it's not like he just has one person he does. He has like a bunch of like people in the guild, like a bunch of kids in the guild. Yeah, I think that what he said he calls them his girls, right? Yeah, he does it particularly to boys because it yeah. really breaks their it breaks their will. And so, uh, and that, like, this is one of those things where, like, man, Brent went in. Like, it's so disturbing, you know? Like, Brent really went in with the writing here to kind of make that decision. to, And it kind of sets the tone for what the type of book you're getting into. Yeah, and it's just, it's insane. Like, <laughs> There's like no I remember, like, it. every time I read this, I, I can't even, can't even take it. And it's like. He he does this to Jarl to get it as up. Yeah, it's not even so like not yeah. even like Jarl. Like he doesn't like Jarl, but he does it to get it as off. And like he even explain, like it jumps right into it. Like Azoth is like, "What do you want me to do?" And he's like, "I want you to be a hero. I want you to fight beyond everything because he wants to like make a statement. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to like have Azoth lead this little uprising." Mm-hmm. And. So that way he can shut it down and make sure that he's the most powerful. And it's just completely evil. Like, yeah. Brad is just evil in every sense of the word. And he's 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And like, he's, you're, you're seeing this. And he's doing this to a 10-year-old. Yeah. Which is that really... And I think this is the moment that, like... Like you said, every time I read it, I'm like, wow. Dude, this is the... this, And this really sets the tone that... These books are, they're fucked up. Like, they're great books. They're some of my favorite books ever. But this is not a fairy tale. Not like, at all. This, this is not, you know, this is not, like, yeah, I think everyone knows, like, probably in the end, the heroes are going to win, right? Like, when they pick up a book, they're like, the heroes are probably going to win. I, I can't think, of, I can't think of a fantasy book I've read where the heroes don't win in some way, right? Yeah. But yeah. they, even this one, when they win, it's a kind of win. Yeah, there's it's, a price. Which that's the po- one of the big points of the book is there's a price for everything. Yes, there is, and this this goes to show you, like, and I'll tell you guys right now, if you guys are reading the book and you're you're getting into it and you're kind of reading it 
as you listen to our recap or you're want to get into it, there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen that I might recommend that you even, you know, if you're, if you want to read the rest of the book before you listen to the show, um, that you do that because a lot of characters, I'll say it now, like a lot of characters that you might like, they're going to just die. Like he'll just kill them off left and right. Very, very like early on later on it's just it's non-stop that there is there is a price and that is it gets to the main thing of the book which you don't even find out till shadow's edge the end of shadow's edge right yeah oh my god do the end of shadow's edge but um <laughs> but it's just it's absolutely wild and so it's 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 so yeah this this is one of those scenes like i agree with you like it gets to me just like how fucked up it is and like what you're dealing with. And it just carries throughout the, the good guys, they lose a lot before they win. They lose a fuck ton before they win in this, this series. Yeah. And it's like, and the only way that they win is they claw on like the edge of their own humanity, pretty much Mm -hmm. like right here. Like at this point, like moving forward, as knows, like rats, like this is what I want you to do. And as does it, yeah. Perfectly. The exact way the rat wants it to. Mm-hmm. Think about even later on, um even someone as good as Count Drake, he will not get out of the series unscathed. You know? Oh yeah. And I think that that's one that resonates really tough with me. Cause I love those characters. Like I love Count Drake as Count Drake is a true good character in this series. Which we'll find out. But that I, and I don't want to spoil anything until we you guys read Shadow's Edge and Beyond the Shadows, but Count Drake is one of those characters that you guys will like because he's he's truly a good character in this fucked up world, this super fucked up world. And you know what? He, he might even have like he doesn't get out unscathed, and I'm I I'll leave it at that. Like I, yeah, there's no way I could talk about it without spoiling it. You know, and there's it's, so many spoilers, man. Yeah, <laughs> so many. <laughs> um. But then uh, it goes over to, and then we have a quick transition. We get our first introduction to Logan. Who's saying bye to his dad. So pretty much what they decided with, uh, so it, I, I, I've always said Regnus. Are, are, how, how do you pronounce that? I say Rengis, but or, yeah. Rengis. I, I don't know. Yeah. D- Duke Geyer is like, he's leaving to go to Screaming Winds, which is this big defensible like series of, walls or in bridges in between Scenario and Kalidor, which yeah. is like their big enemy, yeah. essentially. Kalidor is like the big enemy of a- nobody fucking likes Kalidor. Yeah. Or Kalidor. And, uh, I think it's like Kalidor. Yeah. Kalidor. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so they have like the strongest army. They have Meisters, which are these terrible like witches or wizards, whichever way you want to think about it. They say witches in the book. Mm-hmm. But like they're, they're like the most powerful, essentially, besides wet boys, like yeah, they, it, it's they're the evil country. So he he decides to go up there. He exiles himself essentially. Yeah. Well, I think uh, there's this thing that happens with Niner, and Niner says like you gotta you gotta take over the, you've got it because you're still alive, and I don't want you in here messing up things for the city. He says, okay, you are gonna be uh the the head of Screaming Winds, which uh Screaming Winds passage. Like you said, it's at this choke point. There's only one way to get into Scenario from Kalidor, and it's at this choke point. And Scenario actually has built a fortress there that contain that completely blocks it. The only way to go through is through there, and they've put him there in order to take he, him out of the city. He's their most ca- he is their most capable military commander, even more than Aegon. 
Yeah, I would say he's more capable than Agon. Yes. Yeah. I think that he commands the respect from his people, like his his soldiers. He commands the respect that you would want in a like your your I mean even for you like in the military, like if you would because you're in the military, like I'm sure like the type of respect like the type of leader that you would want would be someone like Rengis, I guess. Not not like as fantastical and fantasy-wise, but he commands the respect and you do things because you know like I love my lord like he's he is the head and I trust him I know that he's going to make us do the right thing and I want to do a good job because I know that if I do a good job everything's going to turn out all right yeah and you, you would follow like I, I of course I had leaders like that who I would follow into hell myself and like he's just that guy yeah. you know like yeah it's actually really cool um because you have like you have that actual like you you have actual experience being a soldier so it's actually kind of cool like just that kind of parallel here yeah but yeah it's it's reading it again and even during my time in the military i did pick up on some different things like that and like have respect for different characters but like yeah like even just logan saying goodbye to his dad like that, that is a huge moment that i was still like before i'm like oh like you know you get to go spend the summers with him or whatever like whatever mm-hmm. like his dad's going off to eternal war pretty much. Yeah. He's going off to go be at war because Galador like does not leave them alone. They constantly try to invade. Yeah. It's like, and it's etern- exa- it's actually exactly what you said. It's war forever for him because he is not allowed to come back cuz he's been exiled. He's been politically yeah. exiled because he's too powerful of a, of a of a person in the in the realm of scenario and Niner sees him as a big threat. Yeah, even though he's like I'm not going to try to take power, but at the off chance that he decided to try to he would win, and Niner yeah. knew that. Yeah, everybody, because everyone would rather have Rengisgaier as king, except for the Sakage. Everyone would rather have him as king than yeah, because Gaier would go take take them out. Yeah, Gaier would absolutely get rid of the Sakage. He would absolutely root them out, and he would be an honorable king if he wasn't assassinated first, like many of the other kings of Scenario. Yeah. Um, right, so, but yeah, getting into the introduction to Logan. So Logan is a, th- I think he, he's what, like 12? Like, he's, he's 12. He's, he's a year, 12. Yeah. He's two years older than God or Azov. And he's a big kid. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think at this point I'm guessing he's like six foot. He like might be taller. Old. He might be taller. Yeah. Like he's, he's a big 12 year old. <laughs> he is the biggest 12 year old you could ever think of. <laughs> yeah. He's huge. He's ginormous. Huge, smart, respectful. He's uh, he's an interesting character who I didn't see having that much development, and he really didn't during this book. Yeah, he he did he not develops have, later. He develops much later, and I actually I, to to kind of piggyback on that point, you're you're actually pretty much you're you're right. Like he he does not have. He has a big role, but we didn't get that many Logan chapters in this book. He becomes a very pivotal main character in the next book. Like you, you spend lots of times, lots of time with him. He is the contrast. To, he is the exact opposite of Azoth in this book. Yeah, that's that's the point of his character in this book. Mm-hmm. Is he is like the complete opposite. He comes from he's you know wealthy, educated. He's like living this essentially perfect life. Yeah, and Azoth is. You know, crawling in the dirt, trying to apprentice Blit, mm-hmm. like, which is something like, that you want to. If you're reading the books, guys, like, remember that. That's that's actually a very important point because it will come up in a discussion between 
uh, Azoth and Logan, very not in this book, but in later on books, that is actually a point that will come up uh, in 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 those books. You remember that discussion where they're saying like Azoth says, "I lived it every day of my life." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you grew up in this. I lived I lived it every day. <laughs> Uh, would, I remember that. That's oh, dude. So many good moments. Um, but then we uh we go back to Azoth, right? Right after that. Yeah, and he's he's squatting in the alley, and he has a he has a shiv. So pretty much at this point, like I think this is probably skipped forward by at least a few weeks to a month. Yeah, I, um, it's got to be a couple. It's got to be at least at least a month. I would say at least a month. Yeah, or... that's not. It's it's kind of hard to tell because Rat does move quickly, but at this point, the the guild is split. Yeah. Split like halfway. Half oh, it's three months. It says it right off. here. It oh, says it does, three okay. months. Yeah. Rat had bottled up his hatred for three months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and he's like, Azov has half the guild, even though he didn't want it. He just played directly into Rat's plan, knowing Rat's plan. Yeah. So, like, one of the bigs got him a shiv, and he's just sitting in an alleyway with a shiv. Yeah. And he shouldn't have one. He's too, he's a little still, so he shouldn't have one. Yeah. So, um, and he's just, he's sitting there, and, and, an actual rat, not the person rat, comes yeah. up and as a stabs it, like he stabs it in the ear, right? And he kind of pins it to the ground. Yep. <laughs> and so he pins it to the ground, and he's sitting there, and then he um he's sitting there just thinking, and he said he says he feels something tickle his neck, and he goes he's like Puh, and he goes curse the bugs. And he goes wait what the fuck? It's freezing out here. What do you mean bugs? And he puts he puts his hand up to his uh his neck and it comes down warm and sticky and there's blood on his neck. And yep, it, and like yeah, and, and it turned out to be Blint who cut him exactly where he cut the rat. Yeah, and he he goes and Azov like Blint doesn't even say anything to him, but Blint actually just sits there, looks at him, and Azov says, "You saw the rat. You cut me where I cut the rat because you want to show me where that you're much you're as better as I you're as better." compared to me as I am to the rat. And I love Blint's quote. He's like, what a, what a strange little guild rat you are. So smart. So stupid. Yeah. I love it. It's a hint of a spot. Yeah. Like that's one of the, one of the big things in this book is Blint only smiles. I think actually only smiles once. Yeah. Like uh, he, he's just in this book. He's very cold. Just a cold character. He is such a cold character, but that adds to like the mystery of him. And I don't know, even though he's a tough master, which you'll find out, I truly love Blint as a character. Like I, I think he, he may be my favorite character. Yeah. He's definitely mine. Yeah. Like every time I read it, I, I appreciate him more and more, at least in this book. I think I have a different favorite character for every book. Yeah. I love, I actually, when, when, We'll, we'll, we can't even oh dude so many spoilers <laughs> um but uh this is actually they end up having a conversation about um about you know like why why do you want to why do you want to become an apprentice to me and he tell and he goes like oh because i want to kill kill my fist like i want to kill rat and then um this is where he tells him like do you like killing people no then why are you wasting my time like i love these blint is very to the point you know like he's extreme extremely direct to the point where it's off-putting to almost everybody that he interacts with yeah and like he's direct enough to the point where it's like all right like if you want to do this you have a week to kill rat Mm -hmm. like 
spring proof, you have a week. Like, he, even how he started off saying, like, I don't take apprentices, and now he's like, this is what you have to do to be my apprentice, and I know you can't do it. Yeah. Like, the, <laughs> so it's very interesting. Yeah. He tells him straight up, like, this is something that, and, and I, I've, I've wondered why, oh, no, I think we figure out why, um, we do figure out later why Blint take, took him as an apprentice, but I wonder how much of a fact that played in because we never see the inter in in between of you know those three months where Blint then comes back and kind of offers him his apprenticeship. Like we don't see those in between conversations, but you do find out in the end why Blint actually picked Azoth as an apprentice. So I'm assuming during that time that Durza was watching Azoth. Because yeah. he's not just going to be like, okay, yeah, I met you one time before. No, he, yeah. He's definitely watching and observing. Yeah, and Blin is someone who is working all the time. Like, he's just, he would be checking up on Azoth. Probably he's goes like, I got a job here. Let me go check up on him, see what's going on. Then he goes back, does his job, you know, pick up poisons, whatever he has to do. Because he, I mean, he, his life is busy. Oh, yeah. And then, um, so after that, he gives him the proposition, like, you have to, you actually, you have to kill Rat. And you have a week to do it, and if you uh, if you do it, then fine, you got it. Because that's the thing that Azoth kind of fears most. It's what he wants to do most, but he fears the most. It's like the biggest. He actually has to commit, and that would be to killing to, to killing Rat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, in the next chapter because we're still in the introduction. Like this is still introducing everything. Uh, still we have chapter seven. Yeah, we have a uh, Salone. Oh yeah. Which he's a very, he's an underrated character in this book. Mm-hmm. I like Salone. Like, there's, there's really not, like, you get more background on him later. Yeah. You just know he's, he's interesting. And, like, and also, like, he's kind of boring to start. Yeah. He's just like one of those characters that you're like, why are you here? But then you see so much more about him later. Yeah. You don't get it until you introduce his best friend. You like you don't see yeah. that, which is is uh, Brent's personal favorite character, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely love him this time around. This time around, I, I absolutely love this character. Oh, uh, yeah. Like reading again and just hearing what he had to do. But he's going up to uh, uh, he's going up to actually become the advisor out of nowhere to Lord Geyer. And he goes up and he talks to this guard and he's like, is he here? And the guard is just being an asshole. <laughs> nope. Like, yeah, so pretty much he didn't know that Duke Geyer left. Now Logan is technically Lord Geyer. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's just a confusing thing because he wasn't sure who he was supposed to help. Yeah. And he, he's like, oh, fuck, who am I supposed to help? And he, uh, he actually mentions him by name. He actually mentions him by name here. He goes, Dorian, uh, like, what the fuck? Like, was it Duke or Lord? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, essentially, he ends up, he spars with Logan, beats his ass, and then he decides to help Logan. Yeah. Essentially. Mm-hmm. He decides to Which help it, him. Like, Go ahead. There, there's really not much in that chapter. It's pretty much just an introduction into showing how lo- how cocky Logan is because he's beating up all of his guards and stuff and he finds out that they're taking it easy on him. Yep. And Salon is just like, all right, you know what? I need to help you type of thing. I think yeah. that's where he realizes, like, I need to help you do this. Yeah. And then he kind of ends up helping both of them in a way 
but uh, as he gets more entrenched in Scenarian society, and he actually does f- in the future go up and spend time at Screaming Winds. He does like he does stints over there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we get oh, then we get an introduction to a very bad character, <laughs> a very evil character. <laughs> yeah, who I- like. I don't th- in this book you can't even conceptualize how evil of a character he is. I know, but like it's hard to like he he grosses me out is the best part of it. He Oh, he's I gross. Sure, he's like, gross. Like cuz cuz he's he's literally being kept alive by magic. Yeah. He's like the, think of the oldest man you can think of who is like super like like they're so old like you know like like their skin's hanging off their bones and everything and he's just he's just that but held together by magic like he he would be rotting if he didn't have magic holding him together yeah and he's always how strong he is and he's always hawking up phlegm yeah uh. (laughs) (laughs) he's he's a gross dude uh but he actually has a meeting with rat and this like this is kind of interesting you actually i didn't even think about it but you find out who you find out his uh his lineage right here yeah but you don't really understand it yet yeah. that's the thing you know because like, the, they talk so you find out that rat is an eighthling so he is a son but not an actual claimed son of yeah. the god king who's the king of Calidor. yeah and oh my god george <laughs> that's an evil man <laughs> yeah so pretty much like he, he is just the king of all evil yeah so so the character we're talking about, Neff, Data, Data, however you want to say it. Is, yeah. He's essentially just a servant, like a direct servant to the God King. Mm-hmm. So he is helping Rat. Uh, I forget what the, what do they call his his task? I, I forget what they call his it. His Erd things. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a bunch of words in here that I'm like, I don't know how you want me to pronounce this because it's like three different language type pronunciations in the book. <laughs> They're all thrown at you. Like they just get yeah. thrown at you. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much he's like, all right, you have to complete this task and then you can actually be a son of the God King instead of an Aethel. Yeah, and that that's like a big thing. And you get, because you actually hear, you don't really hear much about the God King, but you just hear that um, Neff even says, he goes, your father's a God, but his tools are men. And thus, his holiness plans accordingly. You're not the only one in in scenario. Like, so you find out that that's actually not the, he's not the only son in scenario with plots to try and do something with it. And you don't know what Rat's plot is yet at this point. Yeah, but you book. find that Rat, oh, actually, Rat no, has to become the yeah, the he, Shinga, right? Yeah, has to become the sh- Shinga. And so, pretty much, Neff pretty much made this plan to use Azoth to take over the guild. Yeah. So Neff is feeding into Rat's evilness, but I think Rat is doing a lot of the work on his own too. Yeah, definitely. Oh, he he absolutely. And I think Neff does Neff make a comment in here about how evil he is, uh, Rat. I think he says something in his mind where he's like, he's this this boy loves evil. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he's he's definitely feeding it. He wants it to grow, but Rat is also doing a lot of the stuff himself. Uh, and then we actually go back to. Azoth, right? Yep, and Azoth is just he's not sleeping, he's getting paranoid he knows that Ratsku is coming soon Yeah, and then at, so he goes up, he actually gets up in the middle of the night he goes to take an actual piss this time uh, and then when he comes back, he lies down and he sees that one of his bigs has been killed and that doll girl is, uh, she's actually gone she's not in the sleeping, sp- this little sleeping spot that she was in before 
and this is like a big deal because that's as like that's as that's his best friend like he's closer yeah. with doll girl than i would say he is with yarl oh definitely he takes care of her yeah he's taken upon it to, to be her guardian upon himself yeah uh and then after that he comes back out and he has to he's looking for hold on he does talk to Master Blint at some point, right? Like, this is where he's yeah, talking to he, Master Yeah, because he just started running, and then Blint finds him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, pretty much, it says that you had five days to kill him. And this is where you find out what happened to Dog Girl. Yeah. Well, kind of, so it, it gets there. It says, mm-hmm. well, what we were talking about with Price, where he says, yeah. like, I'm about to show you what your hesitation cost. Yeah. And then skips to Salone. So pretty much Salone is drinking wine. Yep. And... Blint comes up, but you don't know that oh, wait, it's Blint yet. I think that actually that is after. First, we have the the Salone meeting oh, yeah. with uh with uh Katarina. Okay, yeah, Katrina, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has this meeting with Katrina, and she's like sitting there going, <laughs> she does not like that Salone's there. She tries to kick him out of the house, but then Logan, he uh, he kind of shows that he has some potential in there, and he likes he stands up and he's like, "Mother, it's time for you to shut up." Go to your rooms, <laughs> and he confines her to his rooms because he he actually he is the head of house now. Oh, one second. Uh, well, yeah, sorry, but he is the head of house now, and so he actually confines her to rooms. And Salone actually picks up on that. And he's like, "Wow, this uh this boy is gonna be he's gonna be formidable." Yeah, and that's I think that that's a big moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Salone's like, "Oh yeah, this is where I need to actually." Like, I think that's where he thinks that he has to, like, then Logan is the one that he needs to have. Like, really the big drama there. Yeah. Like, all right, yeah, this guy, like, he's going to be something later on. And then that's when we, right after that, we go into Chapter 10, and that's where we run into Azoth with uh, running into Doll Girl. And I love this. Uh, So, I don't love it, but I love what Blint says. Uh, Azoth goes in there, and he sees that um, Doll Girl, (laughs) the, the actual comment here, the actual line is, uh, he's seen a man kicked square in the face by a horse. He died wheezing on broken teeth and blood. Doll girl's face looked worse, was worse. Yeah. And what happens is, and and Blint tells him immediately because Azoth looks away. He goes, "Look, Dan, you look. This is what you've done. This is what your hesitation cost. When I say kill, you kill. Not tomorrow. Not five days later. You kill that second. No hesitation. No doubts. No second thoughts. Obedience." You don't, I might as well go to the rest of it. Do you know, do you understand the word? I know better than you do. You know, nothing. You are nothing. This is what you are. You are weakness. You are filth. You are the blood bubbling out of that little girl's nose. Whew. He goes in. Yeah. Cause he's what you learn about Flint is yeah. He, they talk about how meaningless life is, but he does have a soft spot for innocence like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, oh, like he tries to not show it, but this is where you see it. And it doesn't seem like a soft spot. It seems like he's more just yelling at Azov. But he feels bad for Dog Girl. Yeah. So Blint pretty much picks up Dog Girl when he finds her. Which I don't know how that happened. Did they just dump Dog Girl on the street? Like, I, I don't know. I'm sure he fo- he's he been following Rat and keeping tabs on him. Uh, I don't think you actually find out what happens, but he finds, uh, he puts her on a table. Durzo's definitely the one that finds her. Yeah. And so br- pretty much then. Asov is like, you need to save her, like, I'm yours forever, and Blint's like, well, you already failed, you had five days, and then Asov is like, you gave me a week. And Blint's like, alright, yep. And I love, and then... You got some more days. Yeah. 
And I like this kind of shows Kyler's character. Uh, and this is something that's brought up in the end. But uh, Durzo, he shakes his head and he goes, by the night angels, so be it. But if you come without proof, I'll end you. And it's just like the Azoth didn't answer. He was already walking away. Like, yeah. Azoth is a very, like, th- through everything, he's reactionary. He doesn't do things preemptive. No. He needs to have something to push him forward. And this, this is what pushes him. He needs a reason. And the minute that it happens and he sees it, like, it's done. Like, it's done. He's going to go kill Rat. Like, that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Uh, and then... <laughs> Durzo, this is the meeting between Durzo and uh, Salone. Oh, no, he actually he has to figure out. He looks at it and he, he, he like observes it and he goes, this work is fucking awful. Like this is this is obviously just meant to mutilate her, but she's going to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then he uh, he says, like, who will help her? And then then it switches to Salone, who's drinking. He's super drunk. Blint comes in. He <laughs> he uh, poisons him <laughs> as usual. He poisons Salone, brings him to, he blindfolds him, brings him to Doll Girl, and he goes, I know you're a mage. You better save her or you die. Like, that's it. You save her or you die. Yep. And then, like, Salone's just like, all right. Like, she, I don't know. She's dying. There's nothing I can do. And he goes, I did what I could. Now do what you do. <laughs> like, had all the tools there and everything. And it's mm-hmm. like, all right, yep. Do your work. Yeah. So then he so, goes. Go ahead. Now you get your first real introduction to Mama K. Like she was in the the meeting with the nine. Yeah, but you don't really get to know her. But she, so she's it, she's hard to explain at this point. But she she's the top courtesan. Not anymore. And, but she is the head of all courtesans. But she yeah, was like never. she was such a such a courtesan that like and this is you know she's a courtesan. She is not a noble one. She's not a noble woman. She's People just pay her for sex, you know? Yep. Men of the East Side would fight duels in her name. Like... Which is insane. Yes. <laughs> so, but... And this is where you find out that she's just very, like, at this point, very good friends with Blint. Yes. That's all you know. Mm-hmm. And they're just... They're talking about Azoth and what's going on. Yeah. And this is very back and forth because th- this whole, this is one of my favorite chapters uh, that Brent Weeks has written in like any of these books. Yeah. I like because the back, it's back and, forth. and forth between the conversation between Mama K and Durzo and what Azoth is doing in preparation to kill Rat. Mm hmm. Yeah. And also, Azoth enacting his plan is scary. <laughs> yes, it is very scary. It, so it, it, like to it to anybody who line. has not read it, he's playing into letting Rat know. He's pretty much telling him he wants to become what Jarl is to save himself. Yeah. And oh, it's 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 pretty gross. It's pretty gross, man. It is a it is it is a grosser scene than the Jarl scene. It is a grosser sh- scene. Like it's it's yeah. oh, dude, it's such a gross scene. <laughs> like he goes up to Rat, gives him the shiv, and says, "Please, I don't want to die. I'm sorry. I'll do whatever you want. Just don't hurt me." Yeah. And then Rat's like, like he, "Oh, I uh, I got an idea." Yeah, and then like the the Durzo Mamakir talking about how smart he is and stuff, but he can't kill. Yeah. Does he have oh, what it God. takes? Is he cunning? Yeah, and then at the same time, going back to where Azoth and Rat are, Azoth leans up and kisses Rat. Yeah. And he says some like, uh, dude, he's all like, let's just like out in front of everybody here, you know, like just let Holding it happen. Holding on to his hips like this 10 year old kid is doing. 
Yeah. Like, oh, and it just goes to show, like, he's been around. Oh, no, I think he's 11. He's like 10 or 11, yeah. yeah. But he's been around all of this. It's it just their lives are different than, you know, normal kids that grow up on the east side, especially. Like, this is what he's been around his entire life. Like, this is something this kid has to do to try and save himself at 10. Yeah. And then you jump back to Mama Canderso. And one of the parts that actually I have a post note here, the first actual mention of the Kakari. Yeah. You need him. You told me yourself that he'll call a Kakari to you. Which you have no idea what this means yet. I remember reading that like, wait, what? Yeah. But yeah, so like, it, just putting it in there. And it's like, pretty much, she's letting Durzo know that Durzo needs Azoth as much as Azoth needs Durzo. Yeah. Like this is... And then, yeah, yeah and then now, Azoth walks into the room. Yeah. Oh my god. He walks into the room... And all he does, or actually, real, real before that, um, yeah, no, oh yeah, Rat tells him we do this my way, yeah, and then it goes back to Azoth, and yeah, you're right. Then he walks in, and all he does is he walks in, and uh, he throws he throws him a, uh, or he walks up to Mama K and Durzo hides, and he's like, oh, this kid's here already. Like I told him, like if I see him again, I gotta kill him. <laughs> You know, like yeah, he doesn't make empty threats. Yeah, like he's got to know I don't make empty threats. But uh, Azoth walks in, and it kind of shows Blint's humanity a little bit. You know, he doesn't want to kill this kid, but he's made a threat. And Blint is one of those people that if he says he's going to do something, it's done. Consider it done. Yeah. And so he walks in, uh, and Mama K. She looks at him. She can tell that he wants to cry, and then she's like, "Oh." But Durzo's here. Like, I don't think Durzo will understand. And so she just, he just kind of says, she, she sits there and she just kind of toughles him up and just goes, so who'd you kill? <laughs> and yep, he's and then his proof was an ear. Yeah. Which is a big part in the plot later on. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so he brings out proof and then Durzo goes with him and he actually sees Rat's body. Yep. He sees Rat's body and he kind of inspects it, and then he goes, "Uh, he, uh, son, he was naked. Did he?" And like he trails off, and then Azoth's just like, "I, you know, I killed him before. Don't worry about it." And they just kind of leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, and then he gives him another chance. He's like, yeah. "I'm going to give you one more chance to like not have this life. I'll give you money. You can go apprentice somebody on the east side." Yeah. He, well, he like says he's going to apprentice him with a cobbler or something, right? You go with your hands. If it's an herb, no, a Fletcher or herbalist. Yeah, and that he would... just keeps asking about Doll Girl, and then yeah, so pretty much he's just like, nope, I, this is this is what I want. I want to yeah. I want to apprentice with you. Yeah, and then all the guild finds out Rat's dead, and they're all like very happy. And this is like, uh, this is where he truly commits, where um. Yarl actually walks out, looks at Azoth, and he's like super excited because you know this 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 beast of a of a this terrible, disgusting beast of a kid, which is so weird to think like Rat's only sixteen. Uh, this terrible, disgusting human being, and they're like, "Oh man, he's dead." They're all they're all happy. They're all getting ready to kind of party it up. Yarl's all happy, and then Azoth just looks at him and he just he turns away. He turns what away. What they say he, here. Yeah, Azov turned his back on his best friend and stepped into the shadow's embrace. Yep, literally. He has let his old life go. Yep, his he, old he life. He has killed somebody for the first time, and he is... Mm-hmm. 
he's he's gone essentially. Yeah. This is where you really see Azoth die, like start to die. Yeah, this is like, the beginning of the end of Azoth. The the, the yeah. Azoth as a person. We're probably, I guess you could say it's kind of, you know, started with Doll Girl. I think I think as the moment that he sees Doll Girl's beaten face is the moment that Azoth is like committed, and therefore Azoth the character is he's going to fade into into nothing, just a just kind of a facade that he once was, you know. Yeah. And so uh, then we have the introduction into, you know. This is where he's starting to pick up. He's now actually an apprentice now. And I love that. It just Blint takes him through. He's like, you'll fight here. This is where you're going to learn. Uh, you'll learn to use every single weapon in here. You go. Magic. <laughs> you're going to learn that. You're going to learn poisons. You're going to learn all this stuff. And, and all this is essentially like, and what I say, it's a safe house. So it looks like a crappy place on the outside. And then it's like an awesome like house inside. Yeah. And Blint has these places everywhere. Which is so crazy to think. Like, and he has them just like all memorized. It's, it's so wild. Like, just the ledger that Lint, Blint keeps in his mind is fucking crazy. Yeah, and like, uh, so like the actual training portion for for Azov is very short. Yeah. In the book, they they kind of blur through it, and then mm-hmm. then they highlight certain things. Yeah, they highlight very certain important moments. But I miss, oh, dude, I you know what I wish I would love to see. I would love for Brent to go back and write like in like a middle book, like right in here, like a point five, you know, of all the training and him growing up as Kyler. Like I would love to see that. Or even through Durzo's point of view, of yeah. what it was like to train it. I think yeah. that would be interesting. Oh, that'd be amazing. And like them going on jobs and stuff. Cause we don't get to hear about that many jobs, but the jobs sound so fascinating. Yeah. Cause uh, well, we hear like, yeah, you hear about like the stuff coming up, so it, it does get pretty dramatic here coming up. Like, yeah, you got it. Yeah, um, but like, is it you know he asks about Vonda, like in this same chapter, I think it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. But like getting into the jobs and stuff like that. Like, uh, I think the first job that he actually goes on isn't that isn't that where Durzo technically kills him? Yeah, that's the Agon job. Yeah, so that's um, the first job. Yeah, that's the first uh, job that he goes on, and but he doesn't go on an actual job until he's fourteen, I believe. Yeah, on his first kill. Yeah, that he doesn't wake do up, it. boy. It's time to kill. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, he asks Mama K about Vonda, and you actually find out that Vonda is is Mama K's little sister. Durzo was at this point. You think Durzo is in love with her? And uh, he kind of sacrificed her life to fight the God King because the God King wanted something and Durzo didn't want to give it up. Yeah, and so they're calling it Durzo's treasure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then after that, we're back into we're back to Salone, right? Yep, and he's training. Yeah, he's training with uh, Logan. Yeah, he's training for Logan. Oh, no, this is when you actually uh, meet Count Drink for the first time. But uh, so Salone, you actually find out that Katarina Geyer has actually tried to take over the estate until Logan is actually of age. And yeah, but then that that's where they introduced uh, Count Drink. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because like Logan's like, well, like what are we supposed to do? <laughs> like, and it's like that means they have to go talk to Count Drake because the family solicitor. Like he he's the one who's supposed to take care of Logan while his dad. Yeah, and. 
his dad technically put him in charge, but then you find out that um, that Katarina actually went and talked to the queen's wife and or the king's wife Nalia, which is like a weird thing you'll find out later. But um, hold on one second, my headphones fell off. But he goes to she or she goes there to kind of petition to say that she should become the guardian and that. Logan won't actually get any of his stuff until he's 21, which is the coming of age in scenario. And so it's like, it's like a big deal because now you, Ren just obviously wanted Logan to be in charge and Salone wants him to be in charge. But now Katarina is trying to kind of get him under her, whatever it is like her, not protection, but Oh, I forget what it's called. Her guardian. Yeah. Uh, so then it, and this is kind of a cool chapter too. We're jumping in between, uh, we're jumping in between Azoth and Logan here. This is the first time I think it really does this because that, that is a very common thing in the series that'll happen. Yeah. Especially when there's big moments coming up or very kind of intense moments. He'll he'll jump back and forth. Uh, and this is Azoth's first introduction to the East Side. And I love it. He's like, man, everyone smells weird. Like, I got to wear shoes. Like, <laughs> he even says, like, the women don't smell like perfume with sex underneath. Just like sweaty yeah. <laughs> and gross like he's like everyone's actually dressed well and they kind of make an they make an attempt to be much cleaner and nicer than you know fucking everyone else in the warrens yeah it's like this is i think this is Azos' first time actually wearing shoes at all yes oh definitely I, he hates them and he hates them yeah <laughs> this is a big culture shock it's pretty cool but then he uh they end up going to this guy count drake who is a very cool character who actually like i I have a soft spot in my heart for Count Drake. I love Count Drake. I think yeah, he is. It's, it's almost like Durzo is the hard on you dad, and Count Drake is the like the loving father. Yeah, Count Drake is is like he is what you would want your dad to be. You know, like he's he's a good person, and he obviously because he has three daughters, Mags, Aline, and Sarah, and he does a great job raising them. And he's like people really respect Count Drake, even though he's kind of a baron. And he's friends with Logan and all of them, and they're they're all very close. It's very it's I like Count Drake a lot. Yeah. So like the big thing that happens right here. Mm-hmm is where you find out... So, like, if, if you even read the back of the book, you find out that Azoth is going to turn into somebody named Kyler Stern. Yep. But this is where they actually give Kyler a new name. They're giving him a persona as a... Uh, a well, it's like a lesser noble. A baronet. Yeah, a baron. So, as Baron Kyler Stern. That, that's yeah. going to be his new... Like, his new identity, pretty yeah. much. Forever. Forever. He's just yeah. going to be... He's just going to be Kyler from now on. And there's very few times that he... There's only, like, one more time he goes out as Azoth, and then from the rest of the series, he's known as Kyler. And that's yeah, actually right. who you'll you'll get you'll get most familiar with when you're reading it. That's, like, how I how I think of him. I never think of him as Azoth. I always think of him as Kyler. Yeah, like, I, you think of him as Azoth, like, up until pretty much they tell you to stop calling him Azoth. <laughs> yeah. They, and he even writes it as Kyler and everything. And when I identify, because I... I, he's he's such a good character. I, I love watching him go through everything that he goes through. Uh, I just I just identify him as Kyler always, and it, it's it's just a cool transition that happens. And he did it, I think, at the right time. Like early on, any later, it would have been real tough to make it. Yeah, and like so, this is this is also where like I lo- I love this. So Logan, because they were just talking about Count Drake. So right now, yep. Durzo and Azoth are worth Count Drake. 
And then Logan and Sloan are walking in to meet with Count Drake. Yeah. After Durzo had just poisoned this guy like a couple days ago. Yeah. He poisoned like... a... <laughs> there's There's a fair amount of coincidences in this book. Yeah, so he's like... He's like, you need to go fight that kid and make a distraction. So Logan looks, or uh, Aslan looks at Logan, he's like, I have to go fight that, like, giant, pretty much. <laughs> he's like, are you serious? That's not a kid. That's a fucking man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't hesitate after he says, like, you want me to fight that? He doesn't hesitate to his credit. Yeah, he goes up, starts cursing at him, and then just hits him. Yeah. And, and then like, Logan, it's... the this is actually a very funny moment that... Uh, later on, you'll find out that Kyler, he's only actually ever seen Logan get mad twice in his life. And this is one of them. He gets mad. He picks up picks up Azoth, now Kyler, and just punches him in the face and knocks him out. <laughs> yep. Like, literally picks him up. Yeah. Like, they're very close in age, but at this point, Azoth is probably, like, what, like, may- like maybe five foot? <laughs> maybe he's probably like i would say he's probably like five two at most like yeah. he's tiny and logan is just we don't know his exact height but eventually he gets really tall i'm guessing he's like six two yeah something like that he ends up being like seven four or something like i think that, he's, like. he ends up being seven feet tall he really becomes yeah, I mean, a, a a force oh yeah <laughs> mm-hmm and then um, after that, uh, Logan, this is like when their friendship starts. And this is a big, big part. Logan is talking to Kyler because they he's like sitting there upstairs because he's mortified. He knocked him out in front of Sarah Drake, who uh, they have like a little crush thing going on, you know, like young love. <laughs> yeah. And then this uh, is really the first instance of anything like that. So like. It's almost like there's different, like, ages in this book where, like, things almost feel like, even with how messed up they were, like, before this, mm-hmm. everything still feels kind of innocent. And yeah. then now you start to get into the teenage, like, the, like there'll be, like, more like sex and, like, love and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's interesting. No, it's, it's, the transition is, is pretty wild. Um, and, oh, man, the starkness uh, co- and contrast of Kyler, Kyler's life, Azoth's life. Uh, you know, with the whole rat thing, and then coming up into here, where Logan uh is like upset that he lost his temper in front of Count Drake's daughter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like come on. Uh, and then Seth, um, not Sethy, uh, Salone, who is a Sethy, he comes up and he actually he goes to Count Drake and he tells him he's like, "Hey, look, we've got a big problem. I need you to, I need you to kind of sign this." saying that Logan will inherit everything from Rengis. And he goes in there and he's like, oh, but, but they hold court in 30 minutes. Like, I don't know. And I like how, so I love this moment here. Like, Salone innocently, like, looks to the side, drops a letter on the table, like, already done. Like, he's already written the letter. And then he's like, well, I need the seal. And then he just kind of drops the seal on the table. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I love Caltrix. Just like, yep, I'm going to forge the signature. Like, <laughs> And then Count Drake like forges it perfectly. He forges, yeah. and I like he's like, yeah. uh, let's just say to misspent youth. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- this is also you found out that uh, Count Drake was involved in slavery. Yes. Oh, and that was like a, a you'll find out later, but he was involved in slavery. Um, yeah, he or you find out that he went to Seth for slavery because he wanted to start the movement here that kind of stops slavery in scenario. Because yeah, it was a so big yeah. thing. So there is no slavery there now. Yeah. But, 
And uh, so, yeah, there's like that you, you, you find out how terrible that the slavery situation is in Scenario. They like put them in pits and death games where they pit them against each other just to kill each other and stuff. It's pretty wild. Uh, and then, oh, I just want to find that moment. The king can put anyone in loads. Okay. He clears his throat and produces a roll of heavy parchment and a large seal. And he just goes, I think I suddenly like you, Master Tofusen. (laughs) 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 I uh, absolutely love that part. He just said, I think I suddenly like you. Uh, And then, uh, and then um, we go back to Blint Nazoth, right? (laughs) Yeah, and they're talking about, because I guess they're upstairs where Nazoth is recovering. And yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, you're going to be friends with Logan, stuff like that. And he's mm-hmm. down on that Sloan as a mage, but hasn't told anybody. Yeah. So that was like, really where you figure out that Sloan is actually hiding that from everybody. Yeah, which becomes a big point. And um, also Durzo, he's like, yeah, and but keep that information. Azoth's like, why? He's like, because if you know men's secrets, like you have power over him. And Durzo's big on having power over people. He doesn't want anyone to have power over him, but he has, uh, he always has a, uh, he always he always wants power over others, and he has it a lot. Like he has leverage on pretty much everybody. Oh, but he then really when does. somebody gets leverage on him, he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, he does not handle it well at all. Uh, and then yeah. actually, we have a transition where Azoth goes out, and he's like, he's back to Azoth again. He's meeting with Jarl, and I forget why he's meeting with Jarl. I think he's just meeting with Jarl to kind of check in to see how they're doing, right? Or no, he needs help from with him. To find Doll Girl. Um, yeah, I think that's what happens, right? And they kind of, but this is like kind of the end of their friendship, almost, right? Where things start to really just kind of fray and fall apart. Oh, you there? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I don't know what happened. All right, no, no worries. Um, so, wait, Holm, where did you lose me? Oh, uh, was... we you talked about he just went and met with Jarl. Yeah, so he just went and met with Jarl, and I think this is, like, kind of the end of their friendship. Like, this is kind of, it's 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 really fraying, because Azoth isn't around anymore. Uh, Jarl has no more guild anymore, and he's just kind of, and, you know, a guild rat without a guild is kind of fucked. Yeah, and like they talk about like how he like him and the other uh, like I think they what they were they call them like the buggers or something like that like the other um, like rats girls or whatever they 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 tried having like a guild for a little bit and it failed. Yeah, which is you know probably not a good idea anyway, and because um, <laughs> they just get the shit beaten out of them all the time, I'm sure. Yeah, but uh, so after that he, he thinks of I think he thinks that tall girl. Oh no, he knows that. He knows Doggirl where Doll Girl is, and he's taking care of her. And but Azoth wants to find her and see what she's doing, because um, he eventually wants to come back and save her. Oh, he do- doesn't. He give does he give Jarl some money? He gives him the sash back with more money in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. with uh, the money he's been making from Blint. Yeah, yeah. It says this is twice as heavy as it was. Yeah, 
And then we're at uh, chapter 15, but you actually, you want to, we've been going for over an hour and a, and a half now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have to do like three episodes just for the book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, we can, yeah, uh, I think this is a good stopping point. This is a good stopping point because we're eventually, he's, he's very close to not being Azoth anymore. Yeah, I think that's a very good introduction to the next one. It's going to begin yeah. end up being Kyler. Yeah, so. absolutely. What'd you think? How'd you like the the that first set of uh, chapters? That's good, man. I think we discussed it well because we didn't really allude to everything that was going on, so it still gives people like a good chance to read. But we we hit a lot. Yeah, and I, I forget about how much is in there. Yeah, there is a lot in the beginning of this book. There's a lot, oh, and yeah. if you really pay attention, it kind of points to a lot of stuff that's going to happen later on. And it's so good, it's so good. We I only know, got we, we only got a sixth of the way through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right, George, that was fun. All right, man. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on again. No, of course. And thank you for. We'll schedule the next one, but I I really appreciate it, man. It was so much fun talking about. My favorite series ever, dude. Me too. All All right, right. man. Thank you. Peace.